Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is the podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 738. We're looking at Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. Let's read the passage. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. This is the gospel according to Matthew. Matthew is writing this gospel, this account of the ministry of Jesus, to convince Jewish people that Jesus is the Messiah and that they should place their faith in him. Matthew is in this section on the teaching ministry of Jesus where he's dealing with the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount began with the Beatitudes. And he talked about distinctiveness of Christians. Christians should be different from the world, but influence the world. He talked about fulfilling the law. He didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so he's the one that actually tells us how to understand the law and properly apply it in our lives. He talked about acts of righteousness. These things we do, they're righteous acts, but we're not done to impress people, but instead to connect with God. And he discussed treasures in heaven, focusing on the things of God versus the things of the world. And he warned about worrying about material things. He warned about being judgmental. And he encouraged us to trust God, to ask, seek, and knock. Now he's in this last part of the Sermon on the Mount. He has these four warnings where he's highlighting the importance of actually making application of these teaching to our lives. Don't just hear them and go, but respond to this message. We're in chapter 7 of Matthew, in verses 13 and 14, he had this contrast of saved versus unsaved. The wide, easy path versus the difficult, narrow path. And the The message was to take the narrow path, to follow Christ. In verses 15 to 20 that we looked at last time, he talked about unsaved people pretending to be saved people. And the issue there was a warning. Be careful of these people who are really wolves in sheep's clothing. The section today we're looking at is unsaved people who think they're saved. And the section we'll look at next time as we finish up the Sermon on the Mount are two groups of saved people. And the difference is how they respond to this teaching. And the improper response to each of these four warnings is destruction. From Matthew 7, in verses 21 to 23, verse 21, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Let's pause here. This is the first place we see in Matthew the title Lord applied to Jesus. Now, Lord, in just common usage, would be the equivalent of Sir. It's used to address somebody who's in a higher social strata, a boss, and a master of a slave, somebody who's worthy of great respect. So essentially think Sir when you see Lord. Now, it's a little different when you see the Lord. In the Hebrew Old Testament, Yahweh was the name of God. But when they translated it into Greek, they translated Yahweh as the Lord. That's why in your English translations, 
in the Old Testament where it says, Lord, it's all in small capital letters. That means it's translation of the, the Hebrew word Yahweh. And if it's just lowercase L-O-R-D, that just means Lord, Sir. So some of that is, is not exact, but some of that carries over into the New Testament where we just see Lord. It's uh, generally addressing someone with respect where we see the Lord. It could either be talking about the Lord our God or the Lord Jesus as the Lord. But here's the first place we see Lord attached to Jesus. We've seen it several times already in Matthew, but it's always been attached to God. Matthew avoids using the Lord in reference to Jesus, and that just has to do probably the fact he's dealing with this Jewish audience. But the context here, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. The context implies that Jesus is the judge who determines who enters the kingdom of heaven. Okay, well, if it's not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, enters the kingdom of heaven, then who is it? He answers that in the second part of verse 21. But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now, this would fit with a lot of traditional Jewish thought. Those who act righteously are rewarded with heaven those who do the will of God. The, the theoretical response to people who do not enter the kingdom of heaven, but think they did the will of the Father in heaven, verse 22, he says, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Well, on that day implies the final judgment when it's determined who enters the kingdom of heaven and who doesn't. And here we see the address again, Lord, Lord. Well, he said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, enters the kingdom of heaven. But he said, those who do the will of my Father. And, and the question here in 22 would be, well, isn't that what we did? We prophesied in your name. We drove out demons in your name. We did miracles in your name. Wasn't that doing the will of the Father? And he gives the answer in verse 23. Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Well, the word know, to know, and it can have multiple meanings with a lot of nuances, but two primary meanings. One is knowledge. You know something. The other is relationship. You know someone. And we use it the same way. I, I know a fact, but I also know people. And it's in two different ways. And so it's, this is obviously the in, in the second of those, a, a relational aspect of, I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. And then the nuance is more than just a, a passing acquaintanceship, but an actual relationship. And because of that, he says, depart from me, you lawbreakers. This is a quote from Psalm 6, verse 8, where in the psalm it says, depart from me, all evildoers. Now the Greek Translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, and the Greek here are identical. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It's the same phrase. Matthew's quoting Jesus, pulling directly from the, the Greek Old Testament here. Now, we think about this. Prophesy? Drive out demons? Miracles? This is what we see Jesus doing. This is what we see the apostles doing. This is what we see the first century Christians doing. And they're doing it in the name of Jesus. But here Jesus equates that with lawbreaking. Depart from you lawbreakers, those who 
prophesied in my name, who drove out demons in my name, who performed miracles in my name. Well, the key is, I never do you. They did those, but did not have a relationship with Jesus. The result of failure to heed each of these four warnings is destruction. Those who are in this category, who think they are followers of Jesus, but really aren't, the result is destruction. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Well, what do we take away from this? Each of these has a big takeaway. The response to the first warning is, be saved. Choose to go through the narrow gate and become a follower of Jesus. The second warning, be careful about being led astray by those who seem to be followers of Jesus, but really aren't because they're leading people astray. This one, though, are you really a follower of Jesus? You may think you're a follower of Jesus, but are you really? And it's kind of scary because here you've got people doing these things. We say only a Christian could do that. Only somebody filled with the Holy Spirit, a follower of Christ, could prophesy in the name of Jesus, drive out demons in the name of Jesus, for miracles in the name of Jesus? Well, obviously not. And we could substitute many things in our day. Well, didn't I attend church every week? Didn't I teach Sunday school every week? Wasn't I a pastor for years? And the answer could be the same. I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreaker. The question there is, how do I know if I'm really a follower of Jesus then? If I said, Lord, Lord, I claim that Jesus is my Lord, and I'm even doing things in the name of Jesus, doing religious things, doing things that seemingly only followers of Christ could do. How could I know for sure? Well, back to, there's two keys in this passage. First, doing the will of my Father in heaven. Obviously, it's more than just prophecy, driving out demons, and performing miracles. And the other, be known by Jesus. Now, if you're actually struggling with this, First John's a good letter to read because John deals with a lot of this in his letter. Just a, a few snippets out of First John chapter 2, starting with verse 3. This is how we know that we know him if we keep his commands. One who says, I've come to know him and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. Whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know that we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. So here's more than doing religious things. It's actually living a life following Christ. Then in chapter 3, six, verse 16, John says, This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. This is key throughout John's gospel in John's letters is this idea of loving God and loving God's people. Then in chapter 3 verses 19 and 20 he says, this is how we'll know that we belong to the truth and we reassure our hearts before him whether our hearts condemn us for God is greater than our hearts and he knows all things. Point well, here is that God's the judge of this, not us. And so we have to trust God's judgment. It's not if we don't feel saved is what has God said. 1 John 3.24, the one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit he has given us. There's internal reassurance from the Holy Spirit. 
1 John 4, 2 and 3. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Again, you have the Holy Spirit involved here. Chapter 4, verse 6. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. And anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. Do you listen to Christian teaching? Are you teachable or do you already know it all? 4.13. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He's given us his spirit. Chapter 5, verse 2. This is how we know that we love God's children when we love God and obey his commands. What key is here in 1 John? Love God. Love God's children. That is, love other believers. Love God's word and follow it. Listen to other believers. Be teachable. Is there evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So, so often I've encountered people who've been in church their entire life. I say, I don't see any evidence of the Holy Spirit in this person's life. Yeah, they do religious things. They may be very faithful servants in the church. But I see no evidence of the Holy Spirit. I don't see an honest love for other believers. I see a lot of hostility. I don't see an actual love for God. I see obedience to rules. So these are the issues to, to think about. Do I really love God? Do I really love God's people? And does that play out in real life? Do I love the Word of God and strive to follow it? Not demand perfection, but desire. Back to what's the message of the Sermon on the Mount, the status of our heart. Do we have a heart for God, or are we just blindly following rules, hoping we can be good enough? Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time. So continue working through Matthew.